Okay, well today we're going to start uh, kind of the second half of our series. I'm sure Nathan will explain, but we went through the book of Judges and now we are transitioning into the book of Ruth. So we'll be in Ruth here for the next few weeks. And today we're starting right off chapter 1, verse 1. So I'm going to go ahead and read uh, several verses here to set up uh, the message that Nathan will be sharing with us this morning. So Ruth chapter 1. Verse 1 says this, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn to the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Emiliac, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Melan and Kilian. They were Ephrites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Emiliac, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These two Moabite wives, the name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Milan and Kilian died, so that the women, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she, where she was with her two daughters-in-laws, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband." Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I too, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore re refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, No more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bi very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me, why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi, Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest."
and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Do you hear it? Do you hear that word? They were there at the beginning of the harvest. That should tell you something, that there's a shift. There is a movement. It used to be something. It used to be planting. It used to be just tending. But no, now it's harvest time. And have you forgotten, Life Church, that our God is a God of harvest? Yes, he wants planting. Yes, he wants tending. Yes, he wants pulling weeds. But he is a God of harvest. And I don't mean to preach health and wealth here, but I am telling you, God's ultimate purpose for you is prosperity. It is abundance. It is fullness. He may give you a season of suffering. He may give you a season of pain, but that is not where he's going to leave you. He is a good God. He has great plans for you. His desire for you and for this church is bounty. Amen? It was at the beginning of harvest. Well, we continue our series here, Cycle Breakers. It's actually been a pretty bad name so far. Have you noticed this? We've been in the book of Judges, and we're about to go into the book of Ruth, and they're related. But the book of Judges, nobody breaks the cycle. <laughs> like, has nobody figured this out yet? I, I keep on waiting for somebody to raise their hand and be like, um, who named this series? This is a terrible name for a series. Because Ehud doesn't break the cycle of idolatry, right? Israel starts in idolatry, and then they go into oppression, and then a deliverer is raised up, and then there's a time of peace, which goes back into idolatry. And Ehud doesn't break that cycle. Deborah doesn't break that cycle. Jephthah doesn't break that cycle. Samson definitely doesn't break that cycle. They just keep on getting worse and worse. The cycle keeps on getting tighter and tighter or lower and lower. But it was at the beginning of harvest. Here's what we're going to find as we finish up our series over these five weeks. Ruth is the cycle breaker. The other judges weren't, but Ruth is. And this is kind of wild because she is the most unlikely person to do this. First of all, she's a woman who is poor, who is barren. She doesn't have any children. She's widowed. And she's a foreigner. Here's maybe the most shocking thing of all. She's not even an Israelite. And God is raising her up to break the cycle during the time of the judges. She will initiate a miniature jubilee in Bethlehem. And for those with ears to hear, Ruth is the true judge. Well, today I simply want to set up the rest of our series in Ruth, preparing us to see how Ruth's faith breaks the cycle. Her faith, her trust in God, her faithfulness, that's what breaks the cycle. And Christina and Pastor Dave will finish out this series talking about this amazing woman, Ruth. And we'll learn from her because she exercises faith. And that is at the beginning of harvest. We've got something to learn here, Life Church, but let's pay attention before we go to Ruth herself. Look at this Naomi character. Poor Naomi. Naomi is just one of those people who just can't catch a break in life. Have you ever found people like this? I mean, like we all complain, but there's some people who are like, wow, you cannot catch a break. This is Naomi. 
Look at verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled. Naomi's story is really a carryover from judges. From judges. She's used to the idolatry. She's used to the punishment. She's used to the place being cursed. The story starts with famine in the land. There's no food. And so she and her husband Elimelech and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, they become immigrants. It's not easy being an immigrant. But they move east to Moab. Moab is not Israel. It's to the east. Different gods, different land. But at least there's food there, so they move there. And they're there for 10 years. Unfortunately, during that time, Elimelech dies. See that in verse 3. Then she at least has her two sons, and they get married, and things seem to be moving up. Nope, another hard break. Both sons die. It turns out that Malon and Kilion sound an awful lot like the words for sickly and wasting in the Hebrew. Not great names to give your kids. (laughs) And they end up dying. Well, Naomi is left with her two daughters-in-law, both widows, And since both are without children, Naomi feels cursed with functional infertility. And we can say this, her family line is as good as dead. And she makes that clear in the text. She's like, look, my family line is cursed, it's as good as dead, why stick around? She is bitter. You know, have you met people who are bitter? People are bitter for different reasons, but in this case, Naomi has good reason for being bitter. And she just feels cursed. God's hand is against her. At every single point of her life. Look at verse 13. It is exceedingly bitter to me for your own sake, for your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Exceedingly bitter to me for your sake. She's looking at her poor daughters-in-law and saying, you're not going to have husbands through me. You're not going to have kids in this line. I've become, I'm not just cursed, I'm cursing you. Like, I'm just, I, just anything I touch just turns to... She feels empty, and she feels like her emptiness means that she can't offer anyone else anything. Her bitterness just spreads. And so we see this then later on in Naomi's story here at the end of the chapter. She goes back to Bethlehem, where she's from. Look at verse 19. The two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem, and when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? It's like that high school reunion. (laughs) You know, somebody shows up and you're like, is that joy? I think that's Joy over there. And she comes in. She's looking kind of world-weary. You're like, Joy. And she's like, don't call me Joy. Call me Misery. (laughs) This is going to be a fun reunion. That's Naomi. The Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me, she says in verse 21. And it certainly looks like that, right? Nothing good going for her. And maybe you're here this morning and you resonate with Naomi 
You're like, life has just given me hard turn after hard turn, and I can't seem to get a lucky break at all, and I'm trying here, but it seems like God hates me. It just seems like God is against me at every single turn. And maybe you're at that place of just saying, I'm just giving in to my cynicism. I'm just going to be bitter. And you won't call it being cynical. You're just like, I'm realistic. And on some level, it looks like that's the case. But God is telling you that is not the truth. You don't get to call yourself bitter. That's not your name. Because today is at the beginning of harvest. Well, here's where Ruth comes in. Here at the beginning of harvest, Ruth makes a commitment. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, honestly. Naomi says to Ruth and to Orpah, her sister-in-law, she says to them, go back to your house. You may notice that, that recurring word, house. Look at verse 8. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. Right? In other words, go home. Go home to your families of origin. And then verse 9, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. In other words, go find a new family. Go find a new house that way. And also in verse 9, uh, she says, the Lord grant that you may find rest. Uh, you'll find some other translations that talk about resting place because it's talking about actually kind of a physical place, the resting place. Well, Orpah's sad, but she sees the writing on the wall and kisses her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth sees a different possibility. And, and I, I was watching the Olympics this last week, and it's worth seeing if you haven't seen it yet. And if you've seen it once, you should see it again. There's a new possibility. Paul, would you uh, turn down the lights back there? Um, and the situation is this. High jump final. Two guys, they compete. They have the same height, same number of, uh, uh, they get over the this, this same, same level, same, uh, same jumps. And so they're tied. And the normal thing to do here is you go to a jump off so that one person's a winner and the other person's the loser, so you have a gold and a silver. Well, let's see what happens here. No, there's the competition, though. I think they have to discuss a jump off, do they not? They may, indeed. Yeah, I think In we're going to go we again. Are. Uh, we can continue with the jump off. Can we have two gold? It's possible. It, it, it depends if you decide History, if you both decide on Olympic champion. He asked, "Can we have two golds?" They've agreed to share the gold medal, and that is what it means to Tamberi, oh, a man whose career was almost over with injury. So too, Mutas Essabashim. He's charismatic. He's a huge personality, and they will both taste gold in Tokyo. This is an absolutely insane night in the stadium. <laughs> yes. It is insane. 
can't, you can't do that. You can't both have gold. Well, apparently you can. Apparently there's a loophole that says you can both have gold. The gentleman from Qatar sees that possibility in the moment. They both get gold. Ruth is one of those people. She's the person who in the moment sees the option. And she's like, this isn't the normal thing. People are going to think that I'm crazy, but I see the possibility. She's not going to go home. She's not going to do the normal thing. She's not going to be the victim of the cycle. Verse 14, Ruth clung to her. Orpah may have kissed her mother-in-law and gone away, but Ruth clung to her mother. Ruth refuses to go. And some commentators highlight Ruth's loyalty to her mother-in-law and how she's just so committed to family and she's, uh, you know, gonna be, they're going to be BFFs. And, okay, I suppose, but I don't think that's the main thing going on here. No. What really pops out to me isn't friendship here so much as Faith. Verse 16, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. Ruth insists on following Naomi. And if you've been at Life Church, you hear this word a lot discipleship. We make disciples. Disciples are those who follow Jesus. And she's saying, I'm going to follow you, Naomi. You've introduced me to the living God, Yahweh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your disciple. Where you go, I go, and where you lodge, I lodge. So Ruth is forsaking Moab. She's embracing Israel. There's a switch of land. Your people shall be my people. I'm giving up the Moabite people, your Israelite people. They're my people now. And your God will be my God. This is the biggie. Ruth, Ruth, once for all, says, I'm not going back to my old gods. I'm not going back to Chemosh, who is the god of the Moabites. I'm not going back to Baal or Asherah or anybody else. No, I'm going forward to Yahweh, to the God of Israel. Your God will be my God. She has experienced the goodness of Yahweh, and she will not have any other Yes, Ruth will not leave Naomi because Ruth will not leave Yahweh. She has faith. So remember this as we go forward in this series. Ruth gives up her land, her people, and her future in order to commit to Yahweh and his people. And that faith makes all the difference. It makes the difference because this Ruth is actually able to deliver Naomi. She's able to take a woman who has decided to call herself bitter and turn her life around. And Ruth, along with this amazing, godly, manly man named Boaz, they are going to help to save the people in Bethlehem. They're going to show us how faith breaks our cycle. There's a lot of good news with Ruth, and I hope you come back the next few weeks to hear about Ruth. But we learn ultimately from God. And if you think that Ruth does the insane thing, if you think that Ruth has the surprising twist, just remember the twist that comes with God, which is that when we were dead in sin, when we were far from God, God did this for us. He said, 
I'm going to come down there myself. I'm going to be with them. That God the Father sent his son, Jesus the Christ, to live for you, to teach you the kingdom of heaven, to die for your sins on the cross, and on the third day to be raised from the dead, to live with you forevermore, to live for you forevermore. Ruth's amazing because she says to Naomi, I'll be with you until you die. I'm with you till death. But Jesus does one better. He says, I will be with you past death. I am for you. I am with you forevermore. That's the God we worship. The God who chose to be human. The God who chose to be with us forevermore. If you hear that good news this morning, turn from your sins If you hear that good news that God is for you, turn away from your iniquity. If you hear that good news this morning, hear it as true goodness and give up all other false pleasures. Follow this God because he has come to you. It's at the beginning of harvest, friends. Let's pray. God, you are so good. And you want good for us. And so we just remember that this morning. This is not about you being a killjoy. This is not about you making unreasonable demands on our lives. You desire life. God, when you sent your son, your son said to us that he came that we might have life and life abundant. So we remember that. We remember that you're the God of the harvest today. God, give us strength to give up all of our idols. Give us the power through your Holy Spirit to give up anything that's holding us back so that we can have full delight in you today. We bless you because you are the God who brings us that delight. In the name of Jesus.